the best advice I can give to others getting started is be bold, be aggressive, and be prepared to work incredibly hard. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. And welcome to the 27th episode of the show that brings the latest in clean energy right to your ears. I am so glad you joined us today, and we are still figuring out how to live in this new reality under COVID-19, so I wish you and your loved ones health and safety during this time. In this episode, I am sitting down with a clean energy business leader who shares a truly homegrown story of how North Carolina provided the resources and opportunities for him to start his own clean energy company, which has since expanded far beyond our state. Today's featured member shout out goes to our valued NCSEA member, Utility Management Services. And before we get started today, I want to share with you an exciting opportunity for you to join the Squeaky Clean community and become a member of the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association for free. That's right. If you go to energync.org slash podcast and fill out the email subscription form, you will receive updates when we launch a new episode and you will be automatically entered for the chance to win a free individual NCSEA membership. Again, that's energync.org slash podcast, and we will be announcing the winner soon, so make sure you fill out the email subscription form as soon as possible, and you could win a free NCSEA membership. Who doesn't love free things, and who doesn't love NCSEA? This is an amazing opportunity. Don't miss it. And without any further ado, here is today's show. Our guest today is founder, owner, and chief development officer of Carolina Solar Services, a leading independent operations and maintenance provider for solar PV power plants. Our guest's diverse interests in the renewable energy sector have spurred his involvement with wood chip gasification, landfill gas cogeneration, and biodiesel processing R&D projects prior to entering the solar industry. Our guest earned a BS in paper science and engineering from NC State University and an MS in renewable energy engineering from Appalachian State University, where he served as adjunct instructor and a research engineer. Our guest lives on a small farm in Durham County with his wife, two daughters, and flock of sheep. Friends of the pod, let's give a squeaky clean welcome to today's very special guest, Zach Hobbs. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you on today. This is definitely a good opportunity for us to talk to someone who's literally working on the ground and and making sure that our solar industry is operating and working smoothly. So we really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks. My pleasure. 
Awesome. So let's let's just jump into this conversation. And I want to start with your backstory and how you got into the clean energy industry. So where did you start and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I've always had a really strong interest in renewable energy and, you know, alternative forms of uh, power generation, either uh, electrical generation or or for thermal needs, uh, biofuels and things like that. Just just out of my own kind of enjoyment of the outdoors and environment. Um, you know, I've, I think I caught the, the bug pretty early on that this was a pretty important cause to work towards and, and really technically challenging and interesting and a, a great career path that, that uh, can be pretty fulfilling. You know, started out at NC State, uh, really interested in, in bioproducts, um, did, did a lot of research um, in a wood torrefaction project uh, that, that utilized uh, forestry waste um, to, to create a, a stable fuel that could be used in coal fire power plants. Um, that, was, that was pretty interesting. And then got a lot of great opportunities at Appalachian State University. Uh, spent a few years there uh, working on a master's degree and also doing some research um, with the biofuels lab. Uh, working on, you know, waste veggie oil based um, biodiesel production and also um, some some virgin oil stocks from from canola oil, uh, as well as tying in some some waste heat recovery from a landfill gas project at the Catawba County Eco Complex. So a lot of, you know, different technologies there, but kind of all centered around the same theme of, of clean energy and, and uh, the renewable carbon cycle. Yeah, that's great to hear, especially because you hear a lot about North Carolina being a leader in higher education. But one of the things that people don't often talk about is the fact that we are really growing our clean energy workforce through the higher education system. So it's really awesome to hear about the opportunities that you were able to get at NC State and App State because that's how we are going to grow this next wave of, of clean energy entrepreneurs and professionals. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's it's been an awesome, awesome thing to to get into industry and then find out there's been so many alums from both those universities who, who've kind of gone out and uh, done some pretty amazing things, especially in the solar industry. I keep coming across folks who were in, in the same or similar programs at Appalachian State University. So um, I think we do have a we're building a great reputation as a state as, as producing some great leaders in the industry. You founded Carolina Solar Services, and now your company has grown into a team of 55 employees in five states. So what was it like starting a clean energy business in North Carolina, and how did you make it happen? Yeah, so uh, it's been um, I've been just really fortunate to enter into the solar industry uh, in North Carolina at the time I did. I think um, you know if I was eighteen months prior or eighteen months later, I probably wouldn't be in this position now. So I think luck has has quite a bit to do with it. But you know, I I, I wrapped up my master's degree and was looking for job opportunities and was fortunate to, to work for um, a solar developer called Carolina Solar Energy. 
Um, oh, yes. We're very familiar with yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, had a great time working with them, learned a lot uh, and saw the just the meteoric rise in, in solar PV in the state and kind of saw an opportunity. You know, development was was really interesting, but not exactly a good match for my skill set. So um, I was fortunate to to have the freedom to you know, before having kids. So I was a little a uh, little less risk averse and uh, so struck out on my own and, and started uh, Carolina Solar Services. Um, and yeah, just focused on tackling a lot of those technical challenges and troubleshooting and maintaining and repairing uh, these solar PV generators. So um, it's been an incredible learning experience. And, you know, if you look at my educational background, I don't have a degree in electrical engineering. Um, or, you know, the, the, the background in PV that a lot of others do, or, in, you know, a lot of the other people in my position do, but, you know, just had a certain amount of fearlessness and in, in learning on the job and learning through experience and, and, uh, you know, adapting those, um, lessons into best practices for, for my company and for, for the industry. So, um, yeah, been very fortunate to, Kind of have the have the guts to to get it get it rolling off the ground when I did in in uh, early 2015. Got you. So early 2015 was when you launched Carolina Solar Services. That's right. That's correct. So you had an interest in clean energy, pursued that at NC State, and then took it to the next level, getting your master's at App State, and then you teamed up with North Carolina Solar Legends at Carolina Solar uh, with especially the Hark Raiders. Shout out to Richard Hark Raider, definitely one of the pioneers for solar in North Carolina. So really exciting that you got to work with him. And then you started Carolina Solar Services. So tell us a little bit about the opportunity you saw to start a new business in North Carolina. And tell us a little bit about what Carolina Solar Services does. Sure, yeah, so, you know, I think I owe a lot to, to Richard Harkrader and still, you know, enjoy his mentorship. He's, he's obviously been a huge champion for uh, solar uh, in the state. And I think we owe quite a bit of gratitude to him for uh, fighting a lot of those early battles to, to get things rolling and, and pave the way for the industry as we know it today. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, you know, I saw the, the, in the development side, you know, I was fortunate to see um, what was going to be built probably, you know, two years ahead of time um, as, as we're working on the, you know, initial land control and zoning and initial design of, uh, of these facilities. Um, and, you know, generally most of the, most of the projects I worked on were kind of the standard uh, QF size facilities of, of five megawatts AC. Um, and it, it's, you know, pretty different from a lot of the large, you know, big hundred megawatt plus uh, power plants out in, in the southwest of the U.S. They're they're much more distributed, so they don't have dedicated staff, um, and they're unmanned. So there's a lot of the remote monitoring component to it, um, and so it's just kind of a different beast uh, than than the more mature solar markets out there. So. Um, you know, I, I thought I saw it was it was kind of a unique challenge and um, 
you know, was interested in, in tackling that challenge and, and, um, was fortunate to, to work on some systems that, that Richard Hartgrader had developed and had ownership on. Um, and so I got my foot in the door there and gained some experience and then, you know, just tried to, to make a name for myself doing both the electrical maintenance and also landscaping maintenance. Um, not afraid to, to roll the sleeves and, and get dirty and cut some grass. And that's a huge component of, of what we do as well. But you know, as a company, our, our, our core services are, are the electrical maintenance, you know, going out and doing preventive maintenance inspections, uh, corrective maintenance, troubleshooting, repairs, um, everything down to replacing a single PV module to broken racking, you know, ground faults, um, troubleshooting inverters, replacing parts on inverters. Uh, we've had to replace transformers um, and medium voltage equipment, overhead equipment. Um, we also do quite a bit of, of, we have a great performance engineering team that does active monitoring and remote troubleshooting on the DAS or SCADA system, the, the, the software that, you know, reports back to us remotely what the production and the status of all the equipment is. We've got an awesome landscaping team that, you know, cuts, we're cutting close to 4,000 acres worth of, of grass this year. Um, wow. We, yeah, it's quite a bit of work, quite a bit of work. Um, we've got a stellar um, UAV team that does aerial thermal thermography. So flying drones with, with thermal cameras on them to, to get data from um, different areas of the array that might be underperforming. Um, and then we just do some, some other ancillary services. Um, we, we wash modules. Um, you know, we've done some light civil scopes, light civil repair and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I think we've, I didn't obviously start out doing all those things day one. So I've just kind of looked at the different opportunities within, um, these facilities, the needs within these, these facilities and, um, tried to, to build a reputation for being reliable and doing what I say I'm going to do and follow through and being transparent. Uh, and that goes a long way. It's a it's a pretty small industry, so people um, people know if you're if you're uh, following through and doing what you say you're going to do. So that's that's just been my focus. Let's say that you were six feet apart, meeting with your 2015 self. You know, because we're still practicing social distancing. Yeah. What would you say to yourself, and what kind of advice would you give to clean energy entrepreneurs, particularly in North Carolina, who are going to have to work through the same system that you had to, you know, even work with a lot of the same key stakeholders and players like the utilities and the co-ops and the munis. So, so what kind of advice would you give to someone who is maybe venturing on their own and trying to start a clean energy business in North Carolina? Sure. I think, the best advice I can give to others getting started is be bold, be aggressive and be prepared to work incredibly hard. I think, um, you know, that's, that's one of the keys that, you know, I was, I wasn't scared of, of working seven days a week and, and just giving it my all, um, which was, uh, you know, I remember, I remember when I took my first weekend off, it was pretty exciting sometime in early 2016 when I, once I had enough staff to actually not work seven days a week. Um, so, 
you know, it takes a lot of blood, sweat and tears to get any business off the ground. Um, but I think, I think the, there are tailwinds in this industry. There's, there's a lot of opportunities, um, in different sectors of the industry, whether it be, you know, standalone storage or, um, vehicle charging. Um, there's, there's just so many new technologies that are coming along that really, you know, the, the rule, the rule book for how to operate them and how to install them and where they might be beneficial to, um, building owners or, you know, big energy consumers or the utility, we just, you know, we don't know how it's all going to shake out. So, um, I think if you have the the passion and the work ethic that this is a awesome, you know, an awesome industry to, to get into. Wow. Great advice. That's awesome. Great to hear. I'm sure a lot of people are really going to appreciate that. And, uh, hopefully they'll be able to take at least one day off in the first year and a half that they have their business. Yeah. But if they follow your, your model, then, then they're not, they're not going to have too much free time on their hands. That's right. <laughs> so let's, let's transition a little bit because the crisis that North Carolina is facing, the nation is facing, the world is facing is with COVID-19 and the spread of the coronavirus. So under Governor Cooper's executive order 121, North Carolina citizens are required to remain at home except for critical activities and services. The governor's office used the Department of Homeland Security's guidance to define which activities and services are considered critical. And under that guidance, electrical generation, construction, and operations are exempted and are permitted to continue while North Carolina is under the stay-at-home order. So why is your company critical to North Carolina's operations, and how has COVID-19 affected your work? Sure. Yeah, this is, you know, something that we're grappling with on a, on a daily basis. Um, you know, I think clearly these power plants are critical infrastructure. They're, they're generating, um, you know, electrical power that, that consumers need. And, um, you know, I know we're all staying at home now, but we're all <laughs> watching play Netflix and uh, running the AC and everything else. So, you know, they, they are critical infrastructure and, um, you know, we've, we've had to reassure our clients that, that we're going to continue to, to operate just under, you know, like we would under normal circumstances, just taking into account the health and safety of our employees, which is first and foremost. Um, but yeah, we have a, we have, you know, we've had to track the the evolving situation and guidelines and everything else and had to roll those out to our employees to ensure that they're protecting themselves and um, provide them with the proper PPE if they do need to, to work closely with other people. Uh, we're fortunate that largely our office staff can, can work from home. And we're also fortunate that most of our field technicians are, you know, dispatching from different depots um, in different regions so that they're not interacting with a large group of people and, and they're not used to going to an office where they might interact with, with greater than 10 people. So really their exposure is limited to their technician partners, um, you know, usually one other person there. Uh, and we've had a few scares. We've had a few folks who, who've fallen ill and gotten tested and, and fortunately tested negative, but we've had good uh, plans in place to, to, to isolate their work partners, um, 
you know, during the, the 14 day isolation period. Uh, so yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting challenge and it's, it's definitely required quite a bit of, of focus and diligence to stay up to date with, with the guidelines and, and best practices. But I'm really proud to say our team's done a great job of that. And I think our, our employees certainly appreciate that we are continuing to, to operate and provide these services to the, the critical infrastructure of these power plants um, and doing it in a safe way that protects their, their health and safety. Yeah. And, you know, I think as we had a, we had, you know, for our listeners, Zach and I were talking previously before this conversation and, you know, Zach, you kind of expressed to me that, that different sectors of the clean energy industry are being affected in different ways. So I'm wondering what are some of the things you're hearing from some of your peers in the industry and maybe how other businesses are being perhaps more or even less affected than you? Sure. I just, you know, on the whole, I feel extremely fortunate to continue to, to, you know, be in a, a sector of the industry where our services are required in a timely manner and we can continue to, to keep full employment, not even have to think about furloughs or, or layoffs or things like that. So just, you know, from that broad perspective, I, I feel very, very fortunate. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely heard that some of the, the it's impacted some of the construction side, especially, especially with supply chain issues and things like that, that, that are, are getting, um, you know, having some hiccups, especially with, with foreign source parts and things like that, but also just, you know, having a higher density of, of people on the site where you might be, you know, placing modules on racking or things like that, where you have a, a higher number of people in closer proximity, they're, there's necessary precautions to take around that. So, you know, I feel fortunate we're not having to worry about that as well. Um, you know, I really haven't heard from my colleagues on the development side. I, I think things are continuing to, to, to progress, you know, to move forward, uh, albeit on a slower pace, but, you know, it's just, uh, everyone's trying to figure out the new ways to do business right now. I don't think, um, you know, the zoning meetings and, city council meetings and things like that where developers need to go talk in person or community meetings to talk to neighbors and things like that. They're just not feasible right now. So I know everyone's trying to figure out the new normal of, of how to operate and um, continue to, to you know, build this industry in, in these new times. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing really high unemployment numbers nationwide, but also in North Carolina. And North Carolina's economy is going to be looking for opportunities to grow and recover from this crisis. What role do you see clean energy or even your company playing in this recovery? Yeah, I I know that hiring, you know, in the previous few years, hiring has been a huge, huge challenge for us. It's It's been such a strong labor market. Um, there are a lot of, you know, competitive other jobs out there and in other sectors like the traditional electrical construction and, you know, other trades um, that, you know, it's it's not it has not been easy to, to hire. So I know that, you know, we're still uh, 
you know, we still have job openings and things like that. And obviously we're, we're having to figure out the, the new interview and vetting process, um, with, without in-person interactions. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, it kind of points to the fact that folks in my industry and, and, uh, you know, the solar O&M industry at the very least, um, we're still, we've still got plenty of, of work to do. There's still this, the same maintenance that needs to take place, repairs, troubleshooting that takes place. So as, as long as this industry continues to grow, there's going to be jobs there. And those jobs are pretty widely dispersed. You know, we've got a lot of employees in, in rural areas, um, you know, Lumberton, Rocky Mount, Washington, Gastonia. So we've got folks kind of in, in areas that traditionally don't have really strong job markets. Um, so it's, it's great that we're continuing to, to provide those really, really good wages, um, to folks in those, those areas. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is one thing that I think is really special about North Carolina's clean energy economy is that a lot of our solar is happening in tier one, tier two rural areas where you're not having a lot of economic development. And then, you know, a a solar project comes in and makes a multi-million dollar investment into the community that provides property tax increases and uh, jobs of the community. And so I think in that way, you know, to your point, it really does bolster the areas that might not be seeing that much economic development. Exactly. Exactly. So North Carolina made significant policy strides forward to support clean energy historically, particularly with the creation of our first renewable energy and energy efficiency portfolio standards in 20 in 2007 under Senate Bill 3 and then a decade later in 2017 with House Bill 589 which opened the door for increased generation competition, rebates, community solar, third-party leasing. So what do you think North Carolina could do next to build upon our success as a leader in clean energy? Yeah, you know, this is this is one of those areas where, where I am a little bit weaker in my knowledge. Um, I get way more into the technical side of things than the policy side, but I do recognize how important policy is. I mean, it's, it's created the industry in this state and, and, you know, we hear about big policy successes, creating new markets. And, um, that, that kind of where our clients bring us into new markets, um, where, where the policy is, is working. So, you know, I'm excited to see new, new models of, of solar, uh, I think the community energy is, is really exciting. It's great to see that, um, you know, blossom in the state. Um, I think we need to continue to push for, um, you know, having friendly uh, policy towards storage, integrating storage into existing facilities or just having standalone storage. I know that solves a lot of the issues associated with, with solar, with the variable output. So, um, storage is a huge thing on, on my radar that I'm trying to learn as much as possible about. Um, and then also electric vehicle charging. I think, you know, despite the, the momentary, you know, dive of, you know, gas prices currently, I think electric vehicles are going to be critical in the future to, to kind of wean us off, off fossil fuels. So, um, I would love to, to see more, um, 
support of that infrastructure, it's definitely one of those chicken or egg things where, um, you know, we need to demonstrate that the infrastructure is out there to the, you know, average consumer to before they'll buy an electric vehicle. So, um, and then, you know, I think on the, on the other side of things uh, away from electricity, I'm really encouraged to see some of the anaerobic digestion projects. Um, you know, the, the work that, that Smithfield and Dominion are doing to, um, you know, cap some hog lagoons and, and capture the, the biogas from that and, and get it up to a high BTU content and inject it directly into the natural gas pipeline. You know, there's, there's obviously just, ample opportunity there for um, uh, a growth in that technology. And it, it has so many great, you know, ancillary environmental benefits other than just, you know, selling a uh, uh, high BTU gas on a natural gas pipeline of, uh, you know, capping those hot lagoons and, and helping out the, the neighbors to those facilities as well. So i um, really excited to see additional growth in, in that industry. What does the future of Carolina Solar Services look like? And what are you looking forward to for the future of your company? That's a great question. Um, I wish I, I had a crystal ball. You know, I, I think we've always been focused on just kind of slow and steady growth. We don't get too ambitious. We don't get um, over our, our, our skis too much. We, I mean, I've seen other solar companies just because of the amount of opportunity that's out there. Um, you know, you can, you can kind of grow too quickly and, and we've focused on, you know, creating a really strong, um, company culture, uh, centered around safety and technical competency and kind of being thorough and doing what we say we're going to do. So, you know, I'd like to continue to, to build out, um, new regions where, where our clients, um, ask us to, to provide our services. Um, so I hope we continue to grow obviously in the Carolinas, but also continue to grow in, in Virginia and South Carolina and in Georgia where, um, we've, we've done a little bit of work, but I think those States are, are looking at the successes that North Carolina has experienced. And, um, you know, are, are looking to, to replicate that. So, you know, I think it's, it's continued growth in the, in the Southeast, just keeping on doing what we're doing. Absolutely. Well, we wish you the best for you and your company. It's just so exciting to hear your story. You know, it's so homegrown in North Carolina. We love to hear about people who have learned about clean energy in North Carolina, pursued that, got their master's, you know, got some some mentorship from one of the top leaders in clean energy in North Carolina being Richard Harkrader, and then went out on your own and really started this awesome company that is foundational for a lot of the solar companies that are out there because without you, it would make their job a lot more difficult and you really have found a way to fill a very important niche in our industry. So I want to thank you for your contributions to the clean energy industry, but I also want to thank you for being a guest on the show today. So thanks so much for joining us today, Zach. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Ben. It's been great talking with you. And 
That's all, folks. The 27th episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, bringing the latest in clean energy right to your ears. My key takeaway for this show is that North Carolina has the tools and resources necessary to continue building our clean energy economy and becoming an even stronger leader nationally. From our public universities to the state legislation that has encouraged and even mandated clean energy, North Carolina has established a solid foundation on which to build an even more robust clean energy portfolio, one that includes things like battery storage, wind energy, and future technologies that we don't even know about yet. So Squeaky Clean will be back again in two weeks with a fresh, supercharged episode about electric vehicles. And until then, please stay well and don't forget to go to energync.org slash podcast, enter your email for updates, as well as a chance for a free NCSEA individual membership. Thanks again for listening to this show, and again, I hope you and your loved ones have a great day.